Today's Godcast was given live during the 2021 Northern Ohio Youth Camp as a part of a special devotion series, Unmovable, We Will Not Be Shaken. At the NOYC, we desire for youth and adults alike to live a life that is unmovable and always abounding through Jesus Christ. Find more Christian content and special series by visiting our website at www.thenoyc.com or check out our social media pages. In today's lesson, their theme today is the unmovable motion. And so to get us started, I'd like to do this. I'd like to ask all of you to just close your eyes for a minute. Close your eyes for a minute. I'm not going to throw things at you. I'm not Josh. Okay. Right. Not Josh. Okay. Close your eyes for a minute. I want you to think about something. I want, to th- I want you to think about your favorite place to go, your favorite type of destination. Okay. Favorite type of destination. You thinking of it? You got a, you got a good picture in your head. All right. Keep your eyes closed. Now, how many of you are thinking of the city? Anybody thinking of, I see, I see one hand. I see a hand out there. Okay, so we got like maybe a couple hands. You like to go to the city. You like to go vacation at the city, okay? How about this? How many of you are thinking of some rolling hills and some some fields full of flowers and uh, butterflies? Oh, look, we got some hands there. I didn't think that one would get that many. That one's there. How about this? Uh, the mountains and the, the, uh, the woods and the streams and the rivers, right? All right, there's, there's some more hands there. Okay, what about this one? That sunny bright, warm beach. Oh, look, yeah, that's where I thought most of them would be at. I, I, I was going I, I to uh, have somebody do some sound effects for me, but we did them in music class yesterday. So where are my seagulls at? <laughs> that's, that's the worst sounding. That's, that flock of seagulls is sick. That's the worst sounding flock of seagulls. I've ever, where are my seagulls at? Moin, moin, moin. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hey, we all love the beach for various reasons, right? That, that warm sun, the sand, right? All that stuff that's there that we, that we just love to go and relax. But then there's that sound that we get at the beach, right? There's that sound that's at the beach that we all really love. We did it yesterday. What is that sound that? Right? It's the sound of the ocean, isn't it? Isn't that just one of the most peaceful sounds that we can get in this world? The sound of the ocean. Today is all about how uh, the ocean and how that it relates to being unmovable. And I know what you're thinking. That sounds really weird. The motion of being unmovable. Sounds like they're polar opposites, right? Because the ocean is full of motion, right? The ocean is constantly changing. There are waves, there are currents, it crashes, it folds over itself, it booms, right? There are all kinds of things, just constant motion that is going on in the ocean, right? And saying that the ocean is unmovable is almost absurd. It almost doesn't make sense. But only if you look at it in a certain way, okay? Because the reality is that life is a lot like the ocean, isn't it? Anybody, where's, where's some of my, my older folks out here, right? Can we, can we attest to the fact that life is full of motion? Life is just, life is unpredictable. Life is unreliable. Life is unstable, right? Life is constantly in motion. One moment we feel like everything is going well in our life. We have everything lined up 
and then just bam, out of nowhere, this tidal wave hits us and we are not completely off course from where we thought we were going, right? Motion, it just hits our life out of nowhere. All right, I'm just, I'm gonna spitball here and excuse me, this isn't my best, my best hypothetical situation, but let's just say for a minute that like a viral infectious disease pops out of nowhere and we don't really know where it came from and we don't really know how bad it is, but we know it's really bad. And let's say just hypothetically, again, I'm just spitballing here. Let's say that everything about life as we know it stops. And let's just say that we have to wear masks and we, have, we can't touch anybody. We can't even get close to people anymore. Let's say that everything we know, it shuts down. Okay, and again, I know that's not my best, my best example I could give, but I'm just I'm coming up with something off the top of my head here. Okay? Even if we didn't have a year like 2020, wouldn't life still be constantly full of motion? Doesn't life just constantly hit you and knock you off course? One moment you are perfectly healthy, and then just like that, your health falls apart. One moment you've got all your finances in order and then all of a sudden something happens and you're bankrupt. One moment your business is thriving and the next minute you're shutting the doors down. One moment you've got friends left and right and then all of a sudden they've abandoned you and you're left standing alone. Motion. It just keeps coming and it just keeps hitting your life. And here's the thing about motion is that when motion comes and it hits your life, you know what the first thing is that we typically abandon? It's our faith. When motion hits our life, we abandon our faith in the one thing that can anchor us through that motion. We try to figure out how to fix it ourselves. We look for answers in all the wrong places. We allow our emotions and our reactions to take advantage of us, and we start getting tossed around. Motion, it hits our life, but not Joseph. Today we're gonna talk about Joseph. Anybody love the story of Joseph? Man, the story of Joseph, not you, Joe, put your hand down, you're biased. Story of Joseph is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It is a classic, classic story. Joseph is just, he's an amazing person, right? The, the story of Joseph is this, it's kind of this big picture kind of story, right? 13, maybe 12, 13 chapters of the Bible really cover Joseph and you cover like 20 some years of this guy's life and you never really get this, this close up, minuscule, detailed version. You kind of get some highlights all along the way, right? All along the way that Joseph is going, you kind of see these just these big moments in Joseph's life where motion comes in and it destroys him. Joseph's story starts when he is 17. I am officially, this is, this is scary, I am officially at the point in my life where you guys are closer to 17 than I am. I can remember what it's like to be young. At the age of 17, your life is full of potential, isn't it? Some of you guys, you guys, some of you that are younger, some of our teenagers in here, you guys have big hopes. You've got plans, you've got dreams that you've got for your life, right? This is a time of life when you are starting to figure out things and you're starting to, uh, to plan for the life that you have out in front of you. And wouldn't you know it that a dream is just where Joseph's story begins. Joseph has these dreams. 
And these dreams are, are bold and they are audacious. They're, they're kind of crazy when it comes right down to it. He has these two dreams. One of them involves him and his brother binding up sheaves of grain in the field. And what happens is when they bind up their sheaves, the brothers, they bow down to Joseph and his sheaves. And in the other dream, it goes a little bit further because his father and his mother are the sun and the moon and his brothers and himself are all the stars. And in that dream, not just his brothers, but his father and mother bowed down to him as well. Now, this is so bold and audacious because at that time, the youngest brother didn't get that type of authority. The youngest brother wasn't somebody that would get that type of respect from people. And in this dream, Joseph realized something that, that his family just didn't. Because when his family heard the dream from Joseph, it made him mad. And now his brothers, his brothers already hated Joseph, right? Joseph was the youngest brother. He's the, the son of uh, his dad's old age. He's the favorite, right? He's that spoiled brat. Anybody got a spoiled brat in the family? I was that spoiled brat, by the way. So put your hands down. You're going to offend me, right? Spoiled brat, they get everything, right? They get all the cool toys where you got hand-me-downs, right? They get, they get all the fresh stuff, right? You're not that middle child that's kind of stuck there in the middle, right? You're, that, you're the youngest. You're the favorite, right? And this was Joseph. Joseph had got a coat of many colors from his, uh, from his father. He had, he had been shown extra special attention. And then on top of all of that, here comes Joseph saying, hey, you know what, guys? One day, you're going to bow to me. I mean, ticked off his brothers, right? made him super, super mad. But what Joseph knew, what Joseph would hold on to that his family didn't quite realize was that that wasn't just a dream like you and I think about a dream. We have dreams, we have hopes, we have goals. We have things that we want to accomplish in life. And we make these dreams such a part of our life. We, we cling on to them and we try to do so much in our power to make these dreams and these hopes come true. But this wasn't just some wishful thinking. This dream was not Joseph looking to become rich or famous, become successful at business or be somebody in life. This dream, see if I can get this thing to work. Oh, okay, we're working. This dream was a promise from God. That's really what God had given Joseph. When Joseph got that dream, it wasn't like Joseph drummed this up in his life so that he could be somebody. Joseph got a promise from God, and that promise was something that Joseph would hold on to time and time and time again in his life. Do you know what a promise is? Anybody have any? Anybody have a, a guess? What's, what's a promise? A promise is something that you want people to keep. Yeah, for sure. What we got over here, what we, we can promise is. Yeah, he said it's something that you won't go back on and you know that you'll keep. Exactly. A promise. No, maybe there it is. A promise is an assurance that a particular thing will get done or it will happen, okay? This is, not, this is completely different than a wish, right? If you're dreaming of the day when the Cleveland Browns will win the Super Bowl, <laughs> that, day, <laughs> that day may come. I may be very old. I may be very old when that day comes. 
But this was not what God gave Joseph. It wasn't something like that. This was a promise that God gave to him. Joseph, hold on to this promise, and this promise would get through uh, Joseph through quite a good number of ordeals in his life. For starters, his brothers already hate him. He's the favorite son. He's got the coat of many colors. And one day, Joseph goes to find his brothers who are supposed to be taking care of something for their father. And as he comes up, his brothers plot against him. And they end up throwing Joseph in a pit and then selling him into slavery. Talk about some motion hitting your life. Can you imagine that? Now, maybe you are sitting here in this audience today, or maybe you're watching online, and you can say, I know exactly what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be sold out. I know what it feels like to be thrown down and cast down by the very people who are supposed to love me and support me the most. But this is the motion that hit Joseph's life. This is the motion that rocked his world. Joseph, in the midst of all of this, doesn't lose sight of God's promise. It's amazing to me. Listen to the book of Genesis chapter 39, verse number two. The Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph. Say that again with me. The Lord was with Joseph. Come on, say it one more time like you mean it. The Lord was with Joseph. He held on to that. He held on to the, to the promise that God had given him. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God, of God by us. In God, when we learn about his promises and we get a hold of them and we do not let go of them, we find that we find that all of the promises that God has given us, they find their yes in him. We can hold on to them. It is that assurance to know that what God has said and what God is doing is something that is true, that we can hold on to, and that will see us through all of the trials, all of the storms, all of the motion that hits our life. And in the midst of this terrible tragedy of his family betraying him and his family throwing him in this pit and selling him into slavery, Joseph finds an incredible opportunity. It's amazing how that when motion hits our life, that's when God comes in and uses us, amen? But it's only going to be there if we hold on to that promise. Because God's promises found their yes in him, God never left Joseph. And in that position of slavery, Joseph found himself down in a man named Potiphar's house. Potiphar was a lord. He was a ruler in Egypt. And it wasn't too long that Potiphar started to notice Joseph. That verse in Genesis that I just read to you, it goes on, it says this, and the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made him, made all that he did to prosper in his hand. I don't think that that means that when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, that he just plopped down and things started just falling into his lap. I think that, that, that what that means 
was that when Joseph was down in Potiphar's house, he was holding on to this promise, this dream that God had given him. And so he was an honest man. He was a hardworking man. He was somebody that did things right, and it caught the attention of Potiphar. And he said, you know what? This guy, he knows what he's doing. And if I would put him in a position where he could rule my house, I think that the prosperity that God is placing on his life, that he would place it on my life as well. Joseph's not very old at this time. We don't know exactly how old he is, but he was sold into slavery at 17. So maybe he was 18, maybe he was 19, maybe he was 20. Joseph's probably thinking at this point, this is it. Look at how that I am being elevated in this man's house. Look at how that God is using me now. Surely he is going to bring this dream to pass now. Surely now that I'm here in Potiphar's house, God is going to fulfill that promise in my life. My family will come, they'll see me, I'll be in this position of prominence and importance, and they'll bow before me. But just like that, as hard as he had worked, and as good as he had been, motion hits his life again. It's this, it's this reoccurring cycle that you're going to find in life. That whenever you feel like you're getting ahead, motion's going to come and it's going to hit you. It's just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to sell you something. I'm not here to tell you that life's going to be easy because it's not. Motion is going to hit your life. Potiphar's wife comes in and she asks him to do something that he is completely unwilling to do. And it cost Joseph his position. It cost him everything that he had worked so hard for to get in his life at that point. It wasn't just that he lost his position. Joseph was thrown in jail. He was thrown in jail for something he did not do. She lied about him. She threw him under the bus. She drug his good name through the mud, and it cost him everything. And you might be sitting out there in that audience again thinking, I felt that. That motion has hit my life before. I didn't do anything wrong, but people, they lied about me. They said things about me. They made me feel like I had done something wrong when I hadn't. I had just been trying to help, but they, they threw me under the bus. It's going to hit your life, guys. Motion is going to hit your life. Not only was he stripped of all of his position, but he was thrown in jail. But here's what Joseph did. He held on to God's promise. And the faith that he had in his promise, it outweighed his circumstance. You know how I know that? Because in Genesis chapter 39, the Bible says this in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Say it with me. But the Lord was with Joseph. He wasn't just with him when he was thrown in a pit and sold into slavery, but he was with him when he was lied on, when he was thrown under the bus, and when he was cast into prison. The Lord showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. This is what's so amazing about Joseph's story, is that Joseph, time and time and time again, is hit with motion in his life, those tidal waves that crash into you and knock you off course. And Joseph has this ability to do something that you and I should have an ability to do, but we usually don't do it. Joseph makes the best of whatever situation he's in. Isn't that amazing? Joseph makes the best of every situation that he's in. He always be behaves himself in a way that is glorifying to God 
because he is operating in confidence of the promise that God gave him. Hey, question. How many times do we operate in confidence of God's promises? How many times do we allow the situations of our life to get the better of us? How many times do we allow God's promises to outweigh our circumstances versus how many times that we allow the circumstances to outweigh God's promises? See, Joseph doesn't do this. Throughout his story, you never see Joseph. I think it's the next one here. You never see Joseph grumbling and complaining. It's an amazing thing. Go and read the story of Joseph, right? You, you read about David, you find where he, he kind of grumbles and complains sometimes. Samson, you see some of these other Bible figures. You find that there are moments where you see their humanity. But when you read the story of Joseph, you don't ever see that. Joseph doesn't grumble. He doesn't complain. He doesn't let the situation get the best of him. Joseph allows God's promises to reign supreme in his life. Joseph allows God's promises over and over and over again to be the thing that anchors him through all of this motion that comes and completely knocks him off course in life. Guys, I'm telling you that we have some promises from God today. I don't know that you're awake enough. I said, we have some promises from God today. Amen. Joseph, he goes through life and time and time again, we've only covered half the story. And if we had had the life that, we, that Joseph has had up to this point, we would be completely defeated. We would have our heads down. We would be grumbling. We would be uh, complaining. We would be thinking that maybe this was some punishment from God. And we wouldn't hold on to the fact that God had given us a promise. The reality is, is that the promise is what's important, not your circumstance. Let me say that again. The promise is what is important in your life, not your circumstance. Stop looking at your circumstances like that is the end, because it is not. What is the end is what God's word says. Amen? In this cycle that repeats himself, Joseph had already been cast down by his brothers. He had already been lifted up by God. So now when Potiphar and his wife cast him down into prison, he doesn't worry about it because he knows what God is capable of. He doesn't sweat the small things. Guys, how many times do we sweat the small things? Why don't we cast our cares on the Lord? Why don't we take our anxieties and our fears and our struggles, why don't we take them to him? Because the reality is, is that when we let the small things knock us off course, we miss the big moments that God has for us. Time and time and time and time again, we see it in Isaiah 41.10, in Joshua 1.9, in Deuteronomy 31.6, in Romans 8.38 and 39, in Matthew 28.20, countless other times. This is just a tip of the iceberg where we see that God's promise to you and I is the same that it was to Joseph. He is with us. Not just Joseph, not just Abraham, not just Isaac. Not just Moses, not just, uh, not just Daniel, not just Ruth, not just Peter, not just Paul. He said, us, I am with you in your life today. So why do we let motion rock our world so much? Let your conversation be without covetousness. 
and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Aren't the promises of God good? Even after all he had been through. I don't even know where I'm at now. Even after all that he had been through, Joseph has faith like an ocean. See, he didn't try to resist these circumstances in his life. He didn't try to wrap his head around it. He didn't try to understand it. He didn't begin grumbling and complaining and asking God, why are you doing these things to me? I know the promise that you gave me. They're supposed to bow before me, but look at where I'm at. Look at where I'm at, God. I'm in prison. How is my family going to bow for, before me in this place? You don't see Joseph do that. What you see is that Joseph continues to be a man that is righteous, that is holy, that is somebody that can be used by God. And in that prison, he is once again elevated by God to be in a position of influence. And in that prison, he meets two men. He meets a baker and a butler. And you might be thinking, well, that's not that big of a deal. We've got all kinds of cooks over there. I know bakers. My counselors wait on me all week long, so I know some... I, didn't get, I got one amen out of my team. That's garbage. <laughs> but a baker and a butler in those times, these were, these were powerful people. These were people of prominence, people that had some influence. These were not just a baker and butler of Joe Schmo's shack down on the street. These were a baker and butler to the Pharaoh, the king of the land where Joseph was at. These were powerful people. And in the prison, God put him there for a reason. And it was to see these two people. Because you know what happens? These two people, they have their own dreams. These two people, they have their own dreams. And Joseph is in a position to use his, his faith and his confidence in God to answer the question of their dreams for them. He tells them this, that in three days the baker would find that his offense would cost him his life. And that in three days the butler would be restored to his powerful position as the butler to the pharaoh. And he had a simple request. He said this, would you remember me? Would you remember me when you're before the Pharaoh? Because I'm here, I'm in this place, I'm in this prison, but I shouldn't be. And I'm telling you guys, if you are in a prison today, you do not have to stay there. If you are in a prison today, you do not, have, you do not need to be there. There is a way out. But if you're looking for somebody out there to remember you, that motion is going to rock your world. That motion is going to knock you off of your feet. I have been in that position before where people that I loved, people that I thought loved me, forgot about me when it was inconvenient. And I know how bad that hurts. And if you're there and you're hurting, I understand where you're at today but I promise you that there is a way out of that prison. The butler gets before Pharaoh, and he does just that. He forgets about Joseph. And Joseph is sitting down in this prison just wondering, Lord, what are you doing? How am I in this place? How is this motion just constantly taking me away from the place that I know that you have promised me? Look at that ocean. 
See that picture? Here's the thing about the ocean. Is that when you look at it up close, you see those ripples? What are those? They're waves, right? It's motion. But look way up at the top of the photo. Look at where the ocean meets the sky. Look at that distance. Do you see those waves? Way, 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 way up there, right below the clouds. You see any waves up there? You can't see any waves up there. Once you get up there and that picture starts to get kind of dark, you notice that it flattens out. You can't see those little ripples anymore. You can't see how those things just toss and turn and, and go around and move and hit you and crash against you and push you off course and move you in different positions. It took two full years before Joseph gets to a place where God lifts him out of that, that prison. But Joseph had faith like this ocean. It was big and it was vast, and it was fluid, and it did not try to resist the positions that he was in. Instead, he took every opportunity of life to get closer to God and do what he knew to be right. And for so many of us, when we find ourselves in positions of life that are uncomfortable, and the waves and the motion of life is crashing against us and pushing us every which way, and we're trying desperately to hold on and find that anchor in our life, we allow these little tiny ripples to corrupt us and move us out of position. Our faith is too small. I love what Brother Josh said on, uh, on Monday. We are saved, right? That's one of the new words that we learned this week. We are saved, but we are not safe. It's because our faith is so small. Is this hitting home with anybody this morning? Being forgotten is something that, that many of us forget, and in this place, it takes Joseph two long years to get back to a, to a position where he is uh, restored. But that constant faith, that constant unmovable faith that Joseph had in his life, it finally came back to the butler. When you guessed it, Pharaoh had a dream. See, this life is full of dreams, guys. This life is full of hopes and desires and, and goals. And when you have steady, constant faith, it might get overlooked at first. But when times get hard and when things, struggles happen, I promise you, people are going to remember you. People are going to remember the God that you serve and the promises that he has in your life. If you would just hold on to that faith. When Pharaoh had a dream of his own, but the butler remembered Joseph. And so he calls on him, and, and, and in the midst of all of this, uh, uh, Joseph, he's, he's, he's looking for uh, something in this prison, and he's struggling. And I know how he must have felt in that place that he thought God was never going to answer the promise that he had given to him. But Joseph held on to his faith. He was living out Luke 16.10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. We don't have to be faithful just when the storms hit. Have a faith that is so big that when the storms hit, it doesn't even affect you. 
I was looking up some facts. I found something that I think is just completely amazing. We look at a hurricane, and we see a hurricane hit in the ocean, and we think that big, huge, destructive thing is so big and so powerful, and it can knock you, knock buildings down. It can destroy cities. But did you know that in one part of the ocean, if there's a hurricane going on, all across the ocean on the other side of it, it doesn't even realize that it's there? See, this is what faith like an ocean does. It puts us in a position where when storms of life come and it hits us, when the problems of life come around and, and knock us off course, we don't get shaken, we don't get stirred, we don't get moved because our faith is just like that ocean. It is big and it is vast and it is unmovable. Joseph didn't care where he was. He didn't care what his status was in life. He didn't care what it was that God uh, had put him in. Joseph just continued to remain faithful. He remained faithful in all of these phases of his life where it seemed like he was going backwards. Did you catch that in the story? God's original promise to him was that his family would bow before him, but he's been thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, risen to prominence in a man's house. Then he was cast off, cast down into prison. Then he was forgotten by the butler. Doesn't it seem like Joseph is moving in the wrong direction? Anybody else feel like that in the story? Joseph, is, he just keeps going in the wrong direction. Every single turn in his life puts Joseph in a position that is further away from the promise that God gave him rather than going forward to the promise that God gave him. But here we find himself two years after he's been cast into prison, and Joseph is brought before the, the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh asked Joseph if he could interpret his dreams. And this is what I love about it. Joseph recognizes in this moment that none of this has been by his own power. Everything that Joseph has tried to do, every, every plan that he made, every, every time that he tried to escape his situation, it always failed him, and he just kept moving further and further away. But he knew that God was true, and he knew that God was faithful, and if he would hold on to those promises, that God would see him through this. And Joseph never fails to give God the glory for all of the promises. Look at what he says in Genesis chapter 41. He says, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. It is not in me, but God shall give you an answer of peace. Joseph's faith was big enough to recognize that God is the one that has the answers. Amen? God is the one that has the answers in your life. It's not... Instagram? What's Snapchat? What's the popular one now? I grew up in the era of Facebook. TikTok. There we go. It's, I promise you, TikTok doesn't have the answers. Okay. Do you want a, a practical piece of advice from a youth pastor? Delete it off your phone. Just, come on guys. It's not doing anything for you. Joseph's faith was big enough to realize that it is God that has the answers. It is God who gave the promise, and it is God who will keep the promise. It is not in our own power, in our own ability. God is the one who carries us through all of our storms and all of our earth-shattering moments in life. God's promises and his ability to fulfill them are what gets us through it. Joseph's faith 
in God and his promise held strong. Faith didn't try to resist all this motion that Joseph was going through. And Joseph recognized who it was that had given him this promise. And Joseph gave him the honor and the glory. And because of that, God answered Pharaoh's uh, uh, dream. He correctly interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And he told Pharaoh, he said this, he said, there's going to be seven years of great, great plenty in the land. You're going to have so much, so much corn and so much wheat and so much, the cows are going to get so fat, you don't even know how to store the meat. And it's going to be great for seven years. And then in seven years, you know what's going to happen? It's all going to crash. He was telling Pharaoh, motion's going to hit your life. Motion's going to hit the life of each and every person in this kingdom and in all of the kingdoms around here. Because after that seven years of plenty, there's going to be seven years of famine. It's going to dry up. It's going to, it's going to wash away. You're not going to be able to get a crop to grow. No matter how hard you try, all of your animals are going to die. People are going to go hungry. And he answers Pharaoh's dream. And in the midst of all of this, Pharaoh sees the same thing that Potiphar saw, a man who knew God and was willing to stand on his promises. See, the reason why the, our faith is, is like the ocean and why it needs to be unmovable like the ocean isn't because the ocean doesn't move. Anybody ever been to the beach? You stood there on the land, you watched the waves crash in. Isn't it apparent that the ocean is constantly moving? Right? Isn't it, isn't it aren't you aware of the fact that the ocean has waves and currents and, and different things constantly flowing? There's an ebb and flow. The ocean is never actually still. It's not solid. Right? It's made of water, for crying out loud. Right? But here's the thing. The ocean is so unmovable simply because it's so big. I want you to think about this. Imagine standing on a beach and looking out as far as you can see and realizing that what you're looking at doesn't even scratch the surface of the ocean. It's not even comparable to the complete vast size of the ocean. See, the ocean isn't unmovable because it tries to resist all of that movement. The ocean is unmovable because it's so big. Pull out a map from 2021. You know what you'll find all along the edge of all the continents? The ocean. Pull out a map from 1990. You know what you'll find? What about 1980? What about 1950? What about 1990? Oh, I said that one already. Confused you, didn't I? What about 1900? Oh, 1800. What about way, 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 way back before they even had maps? Do you know what was still around all the continents? Because it's so big, it just doesn't go anywhere. And our faith, we make it like this tiny little drop of water that we take and we squeeze out of a dropper every now and then when we need it. And we put it there and we say, God, I need you right now in this moment. And it's so small that it's not very long that it just kind of evaporates. The wind comes and it blows and it knocks it away. Our faith cannot stand in our own abilities. Our faith cannot stand in what we are capable of doing and what we know. It's not about head knowledge. 
It's about the condition of our heart and the trust that we have in a God that is able to fulfill every promise that he has given to us. And we make our faith so small, it's almost insignificant in the grand scheme of things. I've been a Christian for a while, guys, and it is amazing to me how many times that I let my faith become the last thing that I even focus on when I'm going through something. I start looking for all the answers right away. I'm a, I'm a type A person. I'm a problem solver. So I go about it and I try to fix the problem. And I fail. Just like what Brother Isaiah said last night, I fail. I make mistakes. I'm no good at it. I let things go. I, I falter. And I'm like, why? Why do I keep doing this when I know that it is my God that has given me the promise and it is my God who will answer that promise? 1 Corinthians 2 and 5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So why do we constantly go back to the wisdom of men? Why do we constantly go back to all the things that we know aren't going to work when Joseph in this story just keeps on holding on to this promise? Joseph's faith, once again, it correctly interprets this dream. And after all of the years of uh, uh, famine and all of the years of, of, uh, of uh, uh, the plenty that were there before the famine, Joseph had been put in a position by Pharaoh that he could save millions of lives. Now think about this for a moment. Joseph had a dream when he was 17. And as a 17-year-old boy, Joseph knew that his family was going to bow down to him. And then he was cast into a pit, and then he was thrown into, uh, then he was uh, sold into slavery, and then he was elevated in Potiphar's house, and then he was thrown into prison, and then he was forgotten by the butler, and now he's brought before the Pharaoh. And do you think at this point that Joseph is still remembering this dream? Do you think that right now, before the Pharaoh, Joseph is still remembering the fact that God had given him a promise? All those years ago. I think so. Because in Genesis 41, 38, the Bible says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? After everything that he had been through, here is Joseph, and he has got such, this, he is so filled with the Spirit of God that Pharaoh recognizes it and says, There is no one else like this around here. Can you imagine that, guys? The reality is, is that for many of us, if we get just a glimpse of the Spirit of God in our life, it becomes this great big thing. But Joseph lived in it daily. Joseph held on to it each and every moment of his life. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. We think that our life should go a certain way, don't we? We make things so black and white. That's good for my life. That's bad for my life. I want to go to college there. I don't want to go to college there. I want to get that job. I don't want that job. That guy's cute. That girl's pretty. We pick things out in our life. And we think if we don't go that way, if we don't get that thing fulfilled in our life, then we're not going to be satisfied. And any time that God diverts us, any time that motion knocks us off course, we lose sight of the fact that it is God who has a perfect 
plan for our life. So why don't we trust that, guys? Pharaoh was impressed with Joseph, and he found him to be wise and trustworthy, so he put him in charge of everything. Not in charge of a household. Not in charge of a prison. After everything Joseph had been through, now he's in charge of a kingdom. Did you catch that? Now he is in charge of a kingdom. The path did not look like Joseph thought it would look like. Maybe he found some bumpy waves. Maybe he found some, some motion that hit his life time and time again, and he didn't fully understand what it was that God was doing or where it was that God was taking him, but he trusted him. And in this moment, Joseph is in charge of a kingdom. He's in control of the entire economy of a region. And because he never lost faith in God through all of the motion of life, God has brought him to a place where yet again, he can be the instrument for God's handiwork. Do you want that for your life? Do you want God to use you? Do you want God to lift you up? Do you want to be a tool for the Lord? I told you as I got up on this stage, I don't feel worthy at all to be up here. I don't feel as good as any of these brothers that are here. I don't feel that I'm as capable of them as doing this. But it baffles me that God would use someone like me to explain to you guys and share this message with you that you can trust God's promises. In every situation of life, you can hold on to what God has given us. And it will be enough. It will be enough. Wouldn't you know it, in the midst of this famine, in the midst of this great time of despair that's going through the land, that Joseph had prepared all of this food during the seven years of plenty, he had stored it up, and he was being able to, to be used by God to save millions of people during all of this famine. Wouldn't you know it, that during that famine, here come his brothers. His family is coming to see him. You know why? Because he's the man that's in charge, and he is the one that can su uh, sustain their livelihood right now. He's the one that can give them the food that they need so that they can survive. And the, uh, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 42, verse 9, and Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. All those years, all that stuff, all those problems, all those issues, all those trials, all of that motion that hit Joseph's life time and time again and took him the long way around where he needed to go, Joseph in this moment remembered the dream, the promise that God had given him all those years ago. It took a lot longer. I don't even know where I'm at. I'm, I think I'm way off. I think we're supposed to be right there. It took him a lot longer than what he thought. It took him the long way around. It was a very different path than what Joseph would have picked for himself. But Joseph had so much faith in God that through all of these things, through all of these trials, through all of this motion, Joseph saw that promise fulfilled. There it is in this position, in this famine, 
in the, in the position of prominence in the kingdom, here come his brothers, and they bow before him, and they show him honor, and they show him reverence. And they give him the, the, the due diligence that God had promised him all those years ago that shouldn't have come to him by right, but here they are, and they're bowing. And his brothers, they fear for him because they believe that Joseph wants retaliation for him. But Joseph says something that I think is really, really important for us to understand. At the end of, the, end of their father's life, they think that Joseph is going to get revenge for all of the things that they had done to him and the path that they had set him on in his life. But Joseph realized something to prove just how big his faith really was, to prove that his faith was like that ocean. He says this in Genesis chapter 50. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good. But God meant it unto good. Listen, I understand that you have plans, you have goals, you have dreams, you have a direction that your life wants to go. I did too. And some of, these, some of these older people in here, I say older now because I feel like I'm one of them. So I told people yesterday, I said, this is the time of the week when my body is telling me I'm not as young as I'm acting anymore. I'm starting to get stiff and old. But as you go through life, you are going to have a path that you want to take. You are going to have a direction that your life wants to go. And I am telling you, there will be times when motion is going to come along and knock you off course, and you're going to think, God, where are you at? God, why is this happening to me? God, what are you doing in my life right now? God, I need you right now. This motion, it is wrecking all of my plans and all of my dreams and all of my desires. But you need to stop and hold on to the promises of God. He is with you. He will not forsake you. He has good things for you if you would love and honor and cherish him. And the things that you might think are for your evil, if you love God, they're for your good. And it's a hard thing to recognize. We're going to get tossed around. We're going to get thrown about. We're going to go through things in life that are going to rock our world. And we need to stop making our faith stiff and rigid like a mountain. I know we like that analogy. We like to think of our, our faith as this big, solid rock that's not going to move. But the reality is, is that as storms come through and they hit mountains, it's a little bit, you can't even tell, but little by little, each and every storm, it erodes that mountain away. That's why the bottoms of mountains are always so fertile, because all the good stuff gets washed off. And in each and every storm that hits, it just keeps eroding it and taking it away and away and away. And you don't ever really notice it that much, but that stiff mountain that's trying to resist everything, it's slowly getting washed away. And if you make your faith like that, the same thing's going to happen to you in your life. But you know what happens to a mountain when storms, or a, an ocean, when storms hit it? The rains come, the ocean just gets bigger. Let that sink in for a minute, guys. Each and every experience in your life, each and every trial, each and every situation, it should increase your faith. It should not tear your faith down. If it's tearing your faith down, you need to stop making your faith like a mountain and start making it like an ocean. 
big and vast and fluid and able to go with each and every trial of life and still know that God is in control and his promises are still true and he is still with me and there is nothing that can come against me if I stay in the power and presence of God. You know what happens when earthquakes come along and those earth-shattering moments wreck your life? If your faith is like a mountain, just like a mountain, those boulders are going to crash off and things are going to crumble and fall and everything that you've built in your life is going to fall to pieces. But you know what happens in an ocean when an earthquake hits it? Anybody know what happens? Say, I'm off again. I don't even know where I'm supposed to be at. That's what happens when an earthquake hits an ocean. It's called a tsunami. You know what happens when an earthquake hits an ocean? It causes the ocean to rise up. The ocean, which is constantly in motion, gets hit by an earthquake, and it does that. It becomes so big and so powerful that whatever is in its way gets destroyed. That's how I want my faith to be. That's what I want my faith to look like. I don't want it to erode away. I don't want it to crumble and fall apart when things hit my life. I want it to rise up and put boats on top of three-story buildings. I want it to crush every obstacle in my way. I want it to destroy the doubt and the fear and the, the suffering and the sorrow. I want my faith to rise up in such a way that joy and peace and love overtake my life and destroy everything else. Because that's what God's promises offer. It is not doubt and fear that should grip our life. It is the things of God. I read something and I found something that I had never seen or I had never considered before when I found this picture and when I was studying out this lesson. In Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 23, it says this, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Did you catch it? What swallowed up the mountain? The ocean did. The ocean swallowed up the mountain. And guys, I promise you, if you would put your faith, not faith because, not faith when, not faith if God would do this, but that blanket statement, I trust you, Lord. If you would put your faith in God like that, no circumstance, no obstacle, no trial, no mountain will ever swallow you up. The faith that you have in the God that you serve will overcome it every time, 100%, no doubt about it. So what do you want your faith to be like? Do you want it to be like a mountain? Do you want it to crumble? Do you want it to fall? Or do you want it to be like an ocean? We've got to stop resisting everything that happens in our life. And we have to trust that what God has for us is true. Thank you so much for joining the NOIC for our special series, Unmovable, We Will Not Be Shaken. 
We pray that this message has been a blessing and a challenge to your Christian walk with Christ. We invite you to share today's episode that we may encourage one another in the Lord. You can also find more Christian content and special series by visiting our website at www.thenyc.com or check out our social media pages. Until next time, continue on in Christ.